I, uh, I was going to bring up the fact that we needed to change the subject, but I wanted to know if if you needed a lifeguard, which animal at the zoo will be your best lifeguard? Hey, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may or may not know too much about in order to broaden perspectives. Usually, Worm interrupts me there, Jerry. I'm not, I'm not a good co-host. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize in advance. This is first day. First day. Ladies and gentlemen, 2H2Fers today, we have two guests. One's a guest co-host. The other one is a CEO and president of San Antonio Zoo, Mr. Tim Morrow. So we're going to, oh, sorry, Jerry. We have Jerry from. <laughs> I, I don't matter. It's fine. It's not a big deal. We have to have some, uh, pretend like I'm not here. <laughs> Fair enough. As soon as I start getting, as soon as I start going, Jerry, yeah. I'm gonna forget you. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Jerry, I will remember you. I'll remember you. I got okay, you. thank you. I, I appreciate that. And the more of a conservesa I have, the more yeah. I forget you. Yeah, I'll just I'll just fade into the wall. I'll forget I'm here. I should have worn like a green shirt or something. Like I could have just been like the floating head. That would have been cool. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry's from J&G Barbecue. He's been on the podcast before. Um, but today's not about Jerry. Today is about Tim Morrow. We actually are going to talk about how he got to be the president and CEO of the zoo, the San Antonio Zoo, what big changes are coming to the zoo. And we're also going to have a phone call from the Tiger King himself, Mr. Joe All right. All right. And from jail. <laughs> yeah, we're not. He's not going to be on the show, or maybe I don't know. I don't know. Say. We'll see. But yeah. sit back, buckle up. Let's go. Too hard, too fast. Erm. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too hard, too fast. Too hard, too fast. Too hard, too fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast. If you don't know, that's your fault. Keep up. Keep up. podcast of the century. <laughs> right. uh, Mr. Tim Morrow, what are you drinking, sir? Are you drinking the same? So what I'm drinking is uh, Conservesa. It's a beer by Fritio Brewery here in San Antonio. And what we've done is we've collaborated with them. And so the name Conservesa is a combination of the word conservation and cerveza. And uh, we rotate the can design once a year. So we've had a draft. We've had a uh, Jaguar, we've had butterflies, and this can is brand new. We haven't even announced this can yet. This can is brand new. We haven't even announced it yet. Oh. Texas horned toad or horny toad or horned lizard, uh, whatever you want to call it, but a really cool species in Texas uh, that we're trying to save. And so we get uh, proceeds from this beer company, Freetail, to help us with our conservation efforts. So it's a really cool, it's literally drink a beer, save a species program, which is really fun for us. Wow. So horny toad, is it, what do you say? Do you say horny toad, horn toad? I horny toad because I grew up here in Texas. Our scientists call it horn lizard. Um, but most ranchers and people that grew up in South Texas or across Texas call it a horny toad. And, you know, they, they used to be across the entire state. Now they're, they're, they're 40% less of horn toads that used to be on the state. So we're trying to get ahead of the, uh, where they get labeled as endangered or extinct and those kind of things in the wild. So we are breeding horn toads at San Antonio Zoo and releasing them back out into the wild to try to get those numbers back up and really reverse that trend 
of losing these guys from our from our habitats. I, I just I, I always wondered, do they really shoot blood out of their yes. eye sockets? Yes. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, like so the horny toad or the horned lizard, whatever you want to call it, it's really a canine reaction. So if, if a dog or a coyote or a fox comes up to a horny toad which wants to eat it, they can shoot blood out of their out of their eyes, you know, the little uh, sacks next to their eyes and really fend that dog off. But um, it's a really interesting strategy to save a cell. But uh, ironically, that is not the most dangerous thing to the horny toad anymore. It's human encroachment, fire ants, pesticides, and those kind of things. So it's natural defense is that to shoot that blood out of the eye, the canines would shade it. But now the, the, the challenges have really become human-made and invasive species like fire ants. I was going to say that I grew up calling it a horny toad. And I feel like I always got in trouble at school for calling it a horny toad. Um, Jerry, I think, calls it just a Jerry toad. But, <laughs> you know, that's his problem. Horny toad. I think most people in South Texas call it a horny toad. So that's what we call it, too. For sure. So, hey, thank you very much for sending this. I did a whole little video earlier of um, the unbo unboxing. Hold on, let me go get the box because the box is super cool. Sure. Oh, here we go. So here's the box. Yep. And uh, your delivery guy, by the way, was super yeah, yeah. nice. Awesome. <laughs> um, the I love the fragile with our yeah. <laughs> handle with care, fragile. Beer is sacred. Yeah. I, I, I was like, what if they gave me like a baby elephant on accident? <laughs> a little <laughs> too small. <laughs> I think maybe a little oh, too small. Not fit in that box. They weigh like a thousand pounds probably. But you know, <laughs> like this is a really fun co collaboration with a beer company and. Uh, Before the zoo, was at, I was at Anheuser-Busch with SeaWorld. And uh, so to come to the zoo and be able to do a collaboration with a beer company is really fun for me. And um, for people to be able to drink a beer and those proceeds go to saving species in Texas or around the world is, I think, a really cool concept. Last year, uh, Freetail gave us a trip for $10,000 that went to Freetail and um, Silver Eagle Distributors gave us a, a trip for $10,000 that went to help save Asian elephants. And now we're focused on the horny toad, and that, so that will go to that program at the zoo here. So we're really excited that you can literally drink a beer to save a species. It's a really fun project for us to do. And it's a super easy, blonde, drinkable beer that everybody likes and perfect time for summer, so it's nice. You're doing our job for us. So what we usually do on Too Hard Too Fast is we do drink reviews. And we talk I'll about... It, I'll tell you what it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want you to tell us what you would give it and... Bear in mind, I know there's it's a little bit of a um, bias, yeah, <laughs> bias, but uh, we'll give our unbiased opinion. Sure. Well, so when we we initially went to Freetail, we said, "Hey, what do you think about the idea of doing like a seasonal beer, like to uh, benefit monarch butterfly conservation or something for spring?" And Scott Mesker, who at the time was the owner, is like, "Hey, let's just do a year-round beer. We'll just split the label every year and dedicate to conservation." So, literally, it's, this is one of those Texas-only handshake deal kind of arrangements. And so, we had this agreement with Freetail. It's a handshake deal, and they they uh, give us a portion of their um, funds to our conservation efforts. And so, we we picked on purpose a blonde ale to be super drinkable by everybody. So, you know, it's a It's not like an IPA or something specific that somebody likes. It's a really drinkable beer, and we want everyone to enjoy it and, th and that know when they drink this beer or buy it at the bar, HEB, that they're helping conservation. And HEB has been a, been a great partner also. They put us on the end caps with signs and all kinds of things. So it's between us, Freetail, and HEB, it's made a big impact on conservation. It's really just fun, a fun project, 
And to know that you're drinking a beer and helping us save a species at the same time is really fun. Yeah, I like, I like that idea. I didn't know at the time, obviously, um, that this actually helps animals, uh, I mean, especially whichever animals being uh, shown yeah. on the camp. Horny so toad. <laughs> yeah, the horny toad. Uh, what we do is we base it on taste. And one of the other things is the design. So this design is obviously already cool enough because of the horny toad and all around very colorful, very eye-catching. It has to be eye-catching yeah. or else people are not going to buy it. The alcohol content versus the price. And then would you buy it again kind of thing. Sure. So based on that, Mr. Timor, from 1.0 using uh, uh, decimals, using decimals, 1.0 to 2. It's too hard, too fast. Uh, what would you give your biased opinion? 5.0 because it is a super easy drinkable beer and it's supporting conservation so you're literally drinking beer to save a species so like it's a win-win for everybody and the fact that it's local to san antonio i think is really cool it's this local brewery doing local beers and they're supporting local conservation projects the horny toad is a texas you know iconic species that people have grown up with we've we've also focused on uh monarch butterflies and other species that come through texas or in texas so just a really fun concept i think to partner with these guys and do this project i just did 6.0 i'm going to 6.0 i changed it i i got myself into a 6.0 super high off the scale <laughs> higher than the too hard too fast but we'll <laughs> accept it uh jerry so this was a gift yes but just because it's a gift you want too hard too fast you still have to give our Unbiased opinion. Unbiased opinion. Got it. So nervous a little bit? Not at all. Not at all. No. Good. Nobody watches this anyways. <laughs> <laughs> There's zero pressure. No. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because it's a nice drinkable beer and it's for a great cause. So I know Jerry's giving us great a great score. Like 5.0. At least, yeah, minimum. <laughs> yeah, I um I've been to the Freetail Brewery before. And I love what they do. I love that they're local. I've had like the Tim Dunkel is one of them and the Bat Out of Hellas. Yeah. It's just cool. Like it's, it's a cool design. It is super drinkable. I will give you that. I am an IPA guy, but I, I can't knock a beer for not being an IPA. I'm going to go ahead and go with a 1.8 out of two. That's really good. I mean, the design is cool and the cause goes a long way, honestly. I mean, you can get any, any beer off the shelf, but... Yeah. Not any of them are going to do what this beer is really doing. You know what's interesting is when we first met with the owners, they they have a they named their beer Freetail after Freetail bats, right? That are nesting in San Antonio, right. breeding in San Antonio in the South Texas area, and they understand like the pollination of bats and the species that bats help control is is really if there's no pollination of the bats and these other species, there's no beer. So to partner with a company called Freetail who really understood and named their beer brand after a species because of the pollination and the things they do uh, was really fun for us to do. And we're just super excited about the partnership with them. We just have a lot of fun with it. We, San Antonio Zoo has a lot of fun. You know, our social media, everything we do is about fun. And this is a perfect partnership for us. So we're super excited. Okay. Before I give my review. Five. The Freetail bat, is that also the Mexican Freetail bat, or is that different? Am I getting it wrong? Yeah, so it's a Mexican Freetail bat. They live in Mexico. They come up here to breed. So, for example, the uh, Bracken Cave up in uh, North San Antonio, 
it's the largest concentration of mammals on earth. Uh, so when those bats breed and come out and fly around at night, that's the largest concentration of mammals on, on earth. And it shows up on re- weather radars and all sorts of things. And so it's a really nice tie in locally that we have this amazing species here. That's really important. You know, we talk about bats and bees and butterflies and people kind of just take it for granted. But if, if we lose those species and pollination stops crops, that means crop stops, which means we lose food sources and basically humans disappear. So it's really important to understand these species, what they do and um, save them, protect them and uh, help them propagate and do the things that they do. So for us in San Antonio, especially, you know, we understand things like the bracken bats and bat, we have the bat colonies under the bridge in Austin and San Antonio. So it's a really important species for us here. And we're so connected to Mexico with those that it's really important for us to tell that story. You said it's the largest breeding? No, it's the largest concentration of mammals on the entire planet. So you all those bats that are in that cave. So they fly up to, to that cave and they breed in that cave, have their babies. Then they'll migrate back down to Mexico. But every time it's breeding season, they come back up to San Antonio to Bracken Cave or, and other caves and breed. And so it's, it's just amazing um, back and forth between us and Mexico. Another reason that just ties us together uh, through conservation and these bats come up here and breed. You know, they're eating mosquitoes, they're eating bugs, they're eating all these, doing all these amazing things on uh, the planet to help us and, and propagate propagate crops and that's really important to what we're trying to do to survive as a human species so species like bats and butterflies and bees are really important to our own survival so we need to understand them and save them and protect them and this beer kind of it does that it wraps it all together they name themselves after retail bats because they understand that concept without bats and pollination there's no beer now, who wants to live on a plant with no beer not me i do not live on a plant with no beer but with bat, without bats and pollinators, there's no beer. So this is very important, and the tie-in just matches perfect for what we're doing at San Antonio Zoo. So if you're a beer drinker, save the bat. Yeah, I think it's also very, uh, you know, worth noting and very interesting that you also basically came from Mexico here to breed, <laughs> essentially. So in a cave, were you in a cave? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would assume man yeah. cave, in man cave. You can be in a yeah. man cave. I mean, we did go to college together, and so there was like a little cave area grotto grotto yeah a little little baby making there college we went to school at our lady of the lake university all right yeah that's where we did our undergrad i went to san antonio college and the utsa so i'm all about san antonio uh education oh awesome we were just gonna get to them but let me do this review six six what's that that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, so 1.022. I really like the taste. Let me preface this with uh, I haven't drank a drop of alcohol in two months. And so I'm impressed. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually very when I impressed. took the first sip, I was like, dude, eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to lose a lot of the 2020. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> So, it tastes really good. Really good. Um, it's easy to drink. For a barbecue, this is what I'm, yeah, I would go yeah. definitely. It's, it's just a fun beer. It's a fun beer that no matter what your beer taste is, like that's right down the middle and you can enjoy it on a hot day or a cold day or a wet day. And, and, and know when you buy this six-pack or this case, whatever you buy, that proceeds of that are going to save species. I'm like, it's just the coolest concept ever, I think, for a beer. Well, listen, you've sold enough because you sold it to me enough because 
I was going to go. I was talking to Jerry. I was like, I don't want to be too easy just because it's a good. <laughs> uh, it's going to come down to the taste because obviously the design's awesome. I did not know that it, it from us getting drunk off of it, it helps yeah. uh, uh, save an animal, depending what's on the label. Yeah. So that makes the label even better. Uh, the price point, do you know what the price point would be? Like about $9? That's yeah, a mid-range beer. So this could be right there with your Bud Lights and all the all the regular beers. It's not going to be It's not gonna be super priced. Yeah, like very a reasonable. Beer. Yeah, so it's it's reasonably priced and local. And the other thing is it's local. So you're supporting all the people that work here to make this beer and, and do those things, which I think is a really cool tie-in with San Antonio Zoo, too, because I don't think people really understand from San Antonio Zoo the reach we have conservation-wise around the whole planet that starts here. But Freetail is a good example of something that you're supporting a local beer company, which is supporting local employees. And that is supporting conservation efforts at our zoo that reach around the world, almost every continent. So it's a really just cool concept. And, you know, you've been to the Freetail uh, Brewery in the South Town or up at the North Side on 1604. It's just a really fun group of people that are dedicated to beer. And we're dedicated to conservation. So we joined those forces together and made a perfect beer. (laughs) Uh, So let's get to it. I told Jerry the 4.9%. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a little bit on me. I might give it a little less points, <laughs> depending on the taste, because yeah. you know what? Too hard, too fast. Yeah. Uh, we like <laughs> we, we like those high percentages. But uh, so I told Jerry, it's it, depending on the taste. What, it's going to be a 1.68 or it's going to push it into the sevens. And I think with the story, the fact that this helps, yeah. You know, animals and makes the the crap that we do as humans a little bit better to save yeah. maybe an animal. I'm gonna have to go with a 1.75. All right, I like it. Somebody that does this regularly, drink you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we we're, I gotta give you credit, man. I mean, two months is pretty good. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. 1.75. That's really good on the scale on their. Um, I would buy this again, 100%. Yeah, it's good. And we've been lucky to have a partnership with them, with HEB and all, you know, the corner stores all have it, which is nice. But, um, yeah, the free is great. But I'll tell you, on the on the alcohol side, I'm a true Metallica fan. So, like, Blackened Whiskey, have you had that yet? The Blackened Whiskey? Have you haven't had it yet? I don't think so. I haven't, I, I haven't had the whiskey, but I am a Metallica fan. Okay. So At least everything between... Between uh, Kill 'Em All and Black Album is yeah. kind of my my dad. Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to do an episode two on um, uh, with Black, Metallica's Black and Whiskey. Super cool concept. They they do this whiskey. They age it to the songs of Metallica. So each batch is numbered, and you can literally go to Apple Music or Google and say, "Okay, my bottle says um, Batch 95." You Google Batch 95, and it takes you to the song list of Metallica songs that that whiskey was aged to and you can listen to it while you drink it so super fun concept. so we definitely have to do a part two for this with the uh, black and whiskey super fun oh, 100%. that's cool yeah and usually i'm kind of like hey are they gonna want to come back oh tim morrow saying he's coming back i am already in the episode two <laughs> episode two is black and whiskey we're doing that one together for sure black whiskey, I'm down. so we were we were we were both aged by metallica then like what's yeah. your favorite song what's your favorite metallica song my favorite oh, song my favorite metallica song is the four horsemen okay all album you know, that's back when Metallica was doing these melodic, like, 12 minutes, 8-minute songs. And so yeah. the song is just like, what I enjoy about Metallica songs is they, they take you on a ride. So, right? It's yeah. like mellow, 
then you're on the peak of the roller coaster and then down to the bottom, a drop and then it's up and down. And I've, that's been my favorite band my whole life. But the, the, the songs of uh, Kill Em All, Master and all those albums were just so melodic and so long and take you on this adventure that um, I really, that's my, been my favorite band of all times. But uh, my favorite song of all time is The Four Horsemen for sure. Nice. I, I got to go with uh, right now, probably Call of Cthulhu. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, I love, I love the, um, yeah, like the, more of the melodic stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, so I've been fortunate. I've probably seen Metallica probably 20, 25, 30 times. And the last time I saw them was actually in El Paso. I saw them at the University of El Paso basketball arena that holds like 10,000 people, which was really fun. So I saw them in the Alamodome with, you know, 65,000 people. And then a year later, I saw them at UTEP at the basketball arena, which was really fun also because they hadn't played in El Paso since like 1989. So that city was just crazy to see Metallica again. Yeah. For me to see them in a small venue like that again, it was just really fun. El Paso is such a cool city. It's people just like yeah. kind of blow it off as a Texas city, like it's a border town and, and, you know, in West Texas. But it's a really cool city with great restaurants and the zoo's been doing all kinds of great things there. And there's all these great parts of that city. It's a really cool city. I, where I live is you drive down the highway and you can see Mexico. Like that's Mexico right there across the river. You can see it. I think it's really cool. So that's a great town doing great things that people kind of underappreciate in Texas and, and the U.S., yeah. I think. See, when Jerry wants to see Mexico, he just drives through my through my front lawn. It looks like <laughs> right there. It's like a microcosm <laughs> right here. That's um, We're looking right at it. Well, that's why uh, I love is we're such a blend of Mexico and the U.S. and like these cultures are such a perfect. I know I'm in the hospitality industry, so uh, there's no more hospitable culture than the Hispanic culture, and so that culture has made San Antonio what it is. And so for, to work in this industry in San Antonio for 25 years, I'm like it's been so easy because the culture is already here with the families uh, and the and the culture that exists here. So like this San, this city is so welcoming to everybody. And welcoming of all cultures. I'm like, you think about it. We have the largest Martin Luther King parade in the country. And yeah. not the largest uh, population of uh, black population, right? Less, less than 10% of our city. But we have the largest Martin Luther King parade. It's, it's just a, uh, a nod to this, our city that we are so dedicated to each other. We understand each other. We accept each other's cultures. And I think that's part of the Hispanic culture. It's just an accepting, warming culture. And I really appreciate living here and working in the hospitality industry where the Hispanic culture is the base of that industry. A thousand percent. I agree. I, I moved here to San Antonio in 2005. What took you so long? What are you waiting for? <laughs> I had to graduate high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved here in 2005 uh, for college, and it was completely a whole new world for me. Like I, 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 I was fortunate enough to be able to travel while with my parents, and see that there's a whole big world out there, not just my little border town, sure. uh, Eagle Pass, Texas. Yeah. So it's a different mindset when I uh, come in here to San Antonio. It really is, like how you said it, Mexico meets U.S., but I think it also Mexico-U.S. meets Texas meets yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. Like San Antonio is like its own thing. Yeah, it's like this amalgam of just everything. That like, there yeah, is. everybody. It's not yeah. just like Mexican. Yeah, for sure. Everything San Antonio compared to like cities in California, San Antonio is like, we're San Antonians. We're Texans. We're yeah. from Mexico. We're Texans. We're proud. We love San Antonio. And you don't get that in other states that are on the border. I'm like, that's, I think, a really cool aspect of San Antonio. One of the reasons I love living here with all the events that happen and Fiesta and Spurs Championships downtown and, you know, so 
you know, we watch these other cities win basketball championships and they're burning cars and flipping things upside down. Like, yeah, we don't do that because all year long we practice partying together. So like we just, this is, just, <laughs> this is what we, we do, do that if there isn't Fiesta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do this. We just get together. We party downtown. So like we're not burning buildings and flipping cars during our, when we win championships. So no. I think that's just part of the charm of San Antonio and the people here are so gracious and so hospitable. It makes it easy to work here and easy to live here. And I just, I can't love San Antonio and the culture that's here enough. I can't tell people enough about it. No. Although yeah. I will admit, I will admit to, uh, there may be some booty bouncing on top of a car. <laughs> and I may be one of them. I was like, going to say, I, I got to say, I, I said I was sorry. <laughs> Come on. But you're not burning the car. No, no, no. no. Just- After I was on it, you probably should, though. <laughs> You can retire the car, but you didn't burn the car. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, it was funny. I thought it was like the guy was like, yeah, get on my car, get on my car. And he was like helping people to get on the car to like, to like, so they can dance. I didn't authorize this. What no. are we doing? Oh, man. The Spurs need to win another time. San Antonio. We, like, we just like to get together and have a good time. Fiesta, Martin Luther King Parade, whatever it is, San Antonians like to get together, all together. It doesn't matter what your culture is, your background, nothing. It doesn't matter. We all get together. We have a good time together and have uh, fun downtown or wherever it is. And so kind of get used to the heat. You know, you're going to get drenched. You just come out and have a good time and not trouble. We don't have trouble. The city doesn't have trouble. You think back to the, you know, 2020 was a rough year uh, with COVID and social issues. And San Antonio went through some of those social issues, but not as bad as other cities. You didn't see the same kind of damage issues the other cities had because I think it's because we all understand each other. Like, so we're, we're all in together. So nobody's that angry as they are in other cities that uh, you see where there's that racial division that San Antonio is just like one community, no matter your race and your, your culture background, whatever. I think it's really cool that we live in a city like this. Yeah. And I think if you ask yeah. anybody, it's like, why wouldn't you take part into something like that? I think the answer would be like, well, I live your way. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Yeah, you want me to destroy my city? Oh, 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 Jerry, don't oh, oh, oh. What, what do I get? Oh, the line was crossed when the water burger window was broken. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to have those social issues and those issues out there, but I think San Antonio does it the right way where we kind of all come together to, to fix those social issues where it's not like one group is on their own by themselves, it's all of us. Like, we all agree, let's fix these social issues, and I think that's what's good about San Antonio. With all every city, including ours, has their issues to fix, but. Um, I think the way our community is built with the hospitality of the Hispanic culture and the way we blend it together with Germans and Canary Islands and all these different cultures is makes us really unique. Well, with that said, we're on to our second beer. I'm behind. I got to catch up. Hold on. Yep. on. Down the drain. <laughs> I'm glad I could witness it. Yeah. I feel I already, honored. I already got a little buzzy buzz going. Perfect. And I like it. But you know what? Let's get into you. A little bit. Sure. That sounds weird. <laughs> Let's get into your story a little bit. Uh, so I was doing some research and I came up with, uh, and after talking to you and meeting with you for a little bit, I can already see that we're kind of the same person. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. So you studied at UTSA. Yep. I did a lot of partying at UTSA. Where's up? Where's up? <laughs> I partied with the UTSA kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were a lifeguard at Six Flags. Yep. I rented strollers at Six Flags. <laughs> uh, you're a hero. Not at all. Uh, you, from a near-drowning experience at SeaWorld. 
I was not a hero. Just like the guy that was in the right place at the right time is what I was. <laughs> well, I mean, to that girl, I think she will call you a hero for that. No, thanks. No, that was a. I'm really proud. I'm really proud of what that girl has become and with her family and things like that. But yeah, I was just the right person in the right place at the right time. <laughs> well, with that said, I had a near drowning experience at sea. So, you know, there's a correlation. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, you run one of the main attractions of San Antonio where you rehabilitate animals. Sure. And Jerry just recently told me maybe it was easier just to go to rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yep. see, we're basically the same guy. Yeah, we're exactly the same. So, perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. So, how, I do want to know, you got to UTSA, but are you originally from San Antonio? So, my story is super interesting. So, my dad was in the FBI. Where, uh, and so, at the time, he was the agent in charge of the region we were, wherever we lived. I really didn't understand as a child. But so, he was the agent in charge here in the se- late 70s. So when Judge Wood, who the downtown courthouse director was assassinated, which he was assassinated by Woody Harrelson's dad, the actor Woody Harrelson from Cheers, his dad was a hitman. So the Judge Wood had a case with a drug dealer out of El Paso. That drug dealer hired Woody Harrelson's dad to, to kill Judge Wood, which he did. And so my dad was in charge of the FBI here when that happened. So like he's been involved in a lot of big cases. Uh, I, I knew nothing about any of them because my dad never talks about anything work-wise. Um, but I lived here in second grade and third grade in San Antonio. And I remember like moving, we we're moving and being devastated to leave San Antonio. Like I just loved the city at the age of eight. Like I, I did not want to move from here. So we ended up moving to Virginia beach, lived there for about a year. That's a whole nother crazy story because the house we bought was from an astronaut, a guy who was an air force pilot who became an astronaut, who was the pilot the captain of the shuttle that exploded. Like I have these crazy story. The whole story is crazy. Very deep. We'll, take, we'll need a four hour podcast for this. But anyways, <laughs> so I grew up in, and then after Virginia Beach, we grew up in Dallas. So my dad moved, moved us back to Texas. Grew up in Plano, Texas, outside of Dallas, fifth grade through high school. And then as soon as I was done with high school and done doing dumb things, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to San Antonio, go to school. And so I came down here to go to SAC, San Antonio College. And, uh, Fiesta, Texas was just opening. It wasn't Six Flags that was owned by Opryland and USAA at the time. I'm like, oh, I'll, be a, I'll go be a lifeguard there. That'll be fun. And so I became a lifeguard, then a supervisor, and they kept calling me back every year. And every year I'm like, I don't want to come back. This is not what I want to do. I want to do law enforcement. And uh, about four years after that, into that, SeaWorld called me, like, come to SeaWorld. We want you to do this and that. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And I just got sucked in, like sucked in, total accident. And I was at SeaWorld and I went to a convention called IAPA, which is the International Association of Attractions and Parks, and like saw the big picture of like theme parks and these things around the world. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And I'm having fun with what I'm doing. I loved working at the theme parks because I could change procedures and really impact the guest experience. And so I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I, I, at the time, I was switching over to UTSA for my um, bachelor's. So I'd gotten two degrees in uh, – criminal justice at SAC. I was switching over to UTSA to get a degree in sociology. I just fell in love with theme park world at the time. And, um, and I was so, so I ended up being a SeaWorld for 19 years. A headhunter reached out for me for the zoo job. I said, no, I've, I've said no to every job I've had. So total accident. So, but then I came to walk the zoo once and I'm like, wow, man, it looks really like it looked 20 years ago when I was here 
you know, 20 years ago and I could, I can help this place with whatever I'm from SeaWorld. And so I applied, I think 140 people applied for the job and I ended up getting it, but it's been a blessing to be here. Like to be uh, the CEO of uh, iconic San Antonio cultural institution is like a blessing. And one of the reasons I came here is because I could do three, $400 million projects at SeaWorld, but what I do at the zoo directly affects everybody in San Antonio because they've been coming here for 107 years. Uh, they'll be coming here for the next 100 years. And it's very, this zoo is local. People love this zoo. And so I'm like, oh man, that's a win-win for me. I love San Antonio. I love this zoo. And we're going to do great things here. So we're super excited about the next 20 years, what we're going to do and what we've done the last six years since I've been here. But uh, it's just a blessing to be here, but total accident. I literally started as a lifeguard and ended up running a zoo. <laughs> Well, and it was when you were a lifeguard that you were, you, you saved that life. Um, you were saying that the girl, I do want to mention a little bit, the girl has done a lot of good things. Are you, yeah. she became something like, can you expand on that? Because I'm kind of curious, because I read the article, but I'm kind of just, from your perspective, I want to know, like, because uh, the article did mention that it also haunted you yeah, for quite a while. And I, I can't imagine... I can imagine if something would have gone the opposite direction and yeah. then it would haunt you, but yeah. you know, I've never been in that situation. So if you kind of just sure. stand on that for us. So I was a supervisor at the water park at SeaWorld at the time. It was called Lost Lagoon back then before Aquatica. And we had these days called IFE days, educational day, informational, educational field trip days. So field trips from around the South of the U S would come to the zoo. I mean, to the park. And uh, the water park was open. So we would open the water. Uh, basically, we, we didn't have enough staff because we we're, um, it was a weekday. So most of our lifeguards are high school kids. So we would open the wave pool so they could swim in the wave pool. Um, it was full of kids. So one day I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on stand. And I'm like, I'm going to be on this one chair. And I just had this feeling like, don't move from this chair. I'm going to stay on this chair all day. So I let all the lifeguards pass me on the rotations for breaks and everything else. And uh, midway through the day, a little girl starts going under. I jump in and grab her and, you know, tell her, pull her out, say, you need to go talk to your counselor. You need to wear a life jacket. You can't swim, obviously. You know, you can't come back in without a life jacket. Fast forward 15 minutes. I'm looking out across the pool. And so if you picture a wave pool, and everyone's been a wave pool, there's probably like two or three lifeguards up each side of a wave pool. I was right in the middle. So there's a lifeguard to the right of me on the deep end of the pool. I look, I'm looking past her and I can see this girl floating on top of the water, like a dead float. You know, like you do as a kid, just kind of float like a dead yeah. body. And I remember saying, man, I'm going to yell at that girl. When she lifts her head up and the waves are off, I'm going to yell at that girl for doing that. And I saw her lift, lift up, take a breath, put her, put her head back down. So I start watching my zone because she was not in my zone. I just saw it. I start watching my zone again. And then I, like, a minute later, I hear a long whistle, which is emergency. And if you're in a water park, you hear a long whistle. Something's happening. I hear a long whistle. I look over to my right. The lifeguard, this little bitty five-foot lifeguard next to me is going into the water to get the, And I look over, and I can see this girl in the bottom of the pool just floating in the waves on the bottom. I'm like, like a dead body just floating with the waves. I'm like, oh, man. So I run and jump into the pool, grab this girl, bring her. I grab her from that lifeguard because the lifeguard was struggling, taking her. And I just grabbed her, took her to the beach. I'm screaming at her the whole time. Like, you know, come on, breathe. You can do it. You can do it. Breathe. Get her to the beach. She's not, not breathing. And I'm trying to take her pulse, but my adrenaline is so high. Like I'm feeling my own pulse in my fingers. Like it's just this crazy moment in time and people are surrounding us. So it's like this black circle of people over me. Like it's just uh, so, so surreal. I can't even explain it, but 
Then she started getting sick and I turn on her side. She starts throwing up and those kind of things. Fast forward, she goes to the hospital, they airline her to the hospital and I go to visit her, of course. So I'm like, I'm, I felt personally connected at the time. The company was like, don't go visit her. You know, I'm sure they're afraid of like liabilities and what you're going to say. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to visit her. Like I'm going to visit this girl. And so I go to visit her and uh, they were there on a field trip from um, Louisiana. And so I go to visit her. Her eyes are completely red. I mean, you know, you bloodshot eyes. Imagine that, like just the co- solid color red on the, on the whites because she has struggled so hard to breathe. She broke every blood vessel in her eye. Wow. And so I go to meet with her and her principal of her school is there. They're on a field trip. And I go to meet her and I'm like, I bring her this gift bag. I'm like, hey, I'm, I pulled you out. Like I saw you take a breath. And she's like, that's the last thing I remember is taking this breath. Um, and then next thing she knows she's in the hospital, but just this incredible moment. I always remember her name, Latasha Cotton. Always remembered it, always remembered it. This is before Facebook, before social media. I just had this girl's uh name burned in my head, right? And I could see her on the bottom of the pool with the wave motion for weeks and years after that. Like I could just pitch, I would go to sleep and it would just be in my mind. So Facebook comes along and I start every once in a while, like, oh, I'm gonna search Latasha Cotton, see if she pops up. Well, I, I, a Cotton with the last name, somebody with the last name Cotton pops up in the same town she's from, Lafayette, Louisiana, which I remember. It's not, it's not a big city. So I messaged this girl. I'm like, hey, are you related to Natasha? She's like, I'm not related, but I know her. And I said, okay, here's a crazy story. And, I, and then she connected me with Natasha. We, came, we became friends. She visited San Antonio. She's got three kids since then. And, so it's just, and she's recently engaged. This is an incredible story, but definitely changed my life. And the good thing about it is like, you know, after that, that was probably in 1998, 97, something like that. Every lifeguard I trained after that point, I'm like, I have a personal story to tell you. Like, I pulled someone off the bottom of this pool yeah. because this is a serious job. And people take kind of take lifeguards for granted. You know, you see it. You go to pool, parents are not paying attention um, and those kind of things. So it's a serious job. And But I was able to tell those lifeguards that I trained for the next 20 years. Like, I pulled someone off the bottom of this pool. And she almost died. She's still alive today. But it's been really fun to reconnect with her and watch her, what she's done in her life. And I'm, I'm really proud of her and what she's become. And what's interesting is because I met her. She came to visit the zoo. Uh, we set up with SeaWorld tickets. We, I posted my story about her on Facebook and tagged her. Well, the girl who I initially res- uh, uh, rescued had actually pushed her in the deep end. So when you're drowning, you're doing anything you can to survive, right? You'll take somebody down. You're just trying to get up out of the water. She had pushed Latasha out into the deep end, which caused Latasha to have her issue, but they had never talked about it for 15 years or whatever it was. And they reunited and had that conversation on my Facebook post, which is really cool because Latasha's like, I forgive you. I've been waiting for this for 15 years or whatever it was. So it's been really cool to connect with both of them. And have them re- kind of reunite and be like, okay, I'm okay with you. It was an accident, but we've never talked about it. So, but it, it's truly a blessing to my life. Like I love Latasha and her kids. And I think, you know, I probably trained a thousand lifeguards since then when I was a SeaWorld at Aquatica in Los Angeles, and, and they all heard that story. So that has helped save a lot of lives, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. You know, it's yeah. funny. I don't know that you know this, but I also was a lifeguard and my biggest story is I cleaned puke out of a pool once. So yeah, hats off to you, man. That's amazing. I mean, lifeguards, that's a hard job. People don't understand how yeah. hard to like, I mean, they do clean puke. They do, you know, everything you can possibly imagine in the sun all day, all summer. 
it's a big responsibility. Like you're literally like responsible for all the lives of the pool around you because it's not the parents, it's you. You're in charge of the parents and the kids. And so being a lifeguard is a big responsibility. It's not, it's not an easy job and it's not a job that a lot of people are doing anymore, which is becoming more and more challenging for the theme parks and the city and others to hire for that as a lifeguard, because there's much easier jobs to do that don't have the, the responsibility and liability that a lifeguard job does, but it's, it's, it's a great job and a great fun to, to be a lifeguard and be working. Anyone that works in a theme park environment will tell you like that was the funnest summer I've ever had. I worked at a theme park and that was super fun, but it's, it's a hard job for sure. <laughs> I, um, I don't, I don't get like, I think everybody's done it. Like when they're kids playing, what you said, uh, drown body. Is that what you call it? Or dead body? Yeah, the, the dead float. You just float. Yeah, the dead float. We've yeah. all done it. I feel like I'm doing, I still do it as an adult. Yeah, you're getting in trouble. You're getting in trouble. I remember thinking, like, I can specifically remember the moment. Like, I'm gonna rip that girl's. You know what? When I see when she comes, <laughs> the waves are over, and she comes swimming back by me. I'm gonna rip her. Like, don't do that. Like, blah blah blah. And so, and the next thing I knew, I looked over. She's doing the dip float on the bottom, which was not planned. So, um, lifeguard job's hard. It's hard. Like, you got to literally decide. Drowning is drowning is a silent death. It's scary. I mean, it happens. The, the statistics right now you see in San Antonio or Texas, because of COVID, more people are going to the coast, more people are going to lakes, they're going outdoors to nature, to water. And so drownings are up, which is scary to me. I see a drowning. Every time I see a drowning story, it's devastating to me every single time. But it's up because so many people because of COVID are spending time outdoors and going to water, to the beach, to lakes or what rivers or whatever. And they're, they're drowning. They don't know how to swim. So Communities like San Antonio, San Antonio need to do a better job of teaching kids that don't have access to pools how to swim. And yes, so yes. I'm on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Urban Outreach Committee. I'm working with parks, the Parks Department here in San Antonio. Like, let's teach these kids to swim. They don't have access to pools, but they may end up at the beach. And they, there was a story recently where the son was drowning. The, son, the dad went in to save him, and they both end up drowning. Like, we got to end that kind of stuff and teach people how to swim. Yeah. That's the worst. I hate yeah. seeing those stories. Yeah. And it's always up to like, well, here because we're so close to different rivers, we swim. Yeah. But man, That's I hate those stories because we, we go to those rivers too. And it's like, yeah. it could happen so quick, yeah. like you said. So quick. Right. Let's talk about some good stuff. I know, Jerry. Come on. You're, you're bringing me down, man. <laughs> you ruined my bus. I, bus. I, I literally said I once was a lifeguard this <laughs> whole time. That's enough. all I said. Um, I, uh, I was going to bring up the fact that we needed to change the subject, but I wanted to know if if you needed a lifeguard, which animal at the zoo would be your best lifeguard? Oh, elephant for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you watch elephant behavior and families of elephants and the family structure, like they take care of each other. So there'll be a baby elephant struggling to get out of the elephant, like out out of the pool the pond and get up out of the, you know, mud wall or whatever. And the, the whole herd will come help that baby get out. It's an elephant for sure, because they will help each other get out and take care of each other. The one I don't want to be is Jaguar. Like they'll eat you. So like, <laughs> uh, definitely elephants. They take care of their families and their herd and those kind of things. So uh, if I wasn't having issues in a pool, I want to be in a baby elephant. <laughs> so I've heard, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that elephants have like, an affinity to humans like they almost consider us cute is there any truth to that do you have you heard that yourself hey 2h2 first i think this is where we're going to take a pause with mr tim morrow 
He's going to come back Thursday. We're going to be here Thursday. I don't yep. think we're moving from this. We got a whole uh, cooler full of uh, Labruskis from Frito. Let's uh, help out your local horny toads. All horny toads, probably. Especially this horny toad. And you know what? Let's continue this conversation on Thursday. I think I've said enough. I think he might have. Today. Yeah. So, remember. Actually, worm? No, you're not worm. What? What do you have to say, Jerry? No, just come back Thursday. Whatever this guy said was fine. <laughs> I'm just going to he- be here drinking my beer. <laughs> just going to be beer. You should drink my beer. <laughs> <laughs> just piss off. I'm just drinking my beer. And with ah. that said, remember, Jerry, Jerry, we're weird. We'll see you guys on Thursday. I don't even know where I am. Bye.